Welcome to Jabberwocky Audio Theatre. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you. Visit our website at jabberaudio.com slash support to learn more or go to patreon.com slash team jabberwocky. The following audio theater is rated ADG for general audiences. Jabberwocky Audio Theater presents Through the Looking Glass. Today's story is The Snow Queen by Hans Christian Andersen. This version was translated from the German by Alma Aline and originally published in 1897 as part of The Pink Fairy Book, edited by Andrew Lang. There was once a dreadfully wicked hobgoblin. One day he was in capital spirits because he had made a looking glass which reflected everything that was good and beautiful in such a way that it dwindled almost to nothing. But anything that was bad and ugly stood out very clearly and looked much worse. The most beautiful landscapes looked like boiled spinach, and the best people looked repulsive or seemed to stand on their heads with no bodies. Their faces were so changed that they could not be recognized. And if anyone had a freckle, you might be sure it would spread over the nose and mouth. That was the best part of it, said the hobgoblin. But one day the looking glass was dropped, and it broke into a million, billion, and more pieces. And now came the greatest misfortune of all. For each of the pieces was hardly as large as a grain of sand, and they flew about all over the world. And if anyone had a bit in his eye, there it stayed. And then he would see everything awry, or else could only see the bad sides of a case. For every tiny splinter of the glass possessed the same power that the whole glass had. Some people got a splinter in their hearts, and that was dreadful, for then it began to turn into a lump of ice. The hobgoblin laughed till his sides ached, but still the tiny bits of glass flew about. And now we will hear all about it. In a large town where there were so many people and houses that there was not enough room for everybody to have gardens, lived two poor children. They were not brother and sister, but they loved each other just as much as if they were. Their parents lived opposite one another in two attics, and out on the leads they had put two boxes filled with flowers. There were sweet peas in it, and two rose trees which grow beautifully, and in summer the two children were allowed to take their little chairs and sit out under the roses. Then they had splendid games. In the winter they could not do this, but then they put hot pennies against the frozen window panes and made round holes to look at each other through. His name was Kai, and hers was Gerda. Outside it was snowing fast. Those are the white bees swarming, said the old grandmother. Have they also a queen bee? 
asked the little boy, for he knew that the real bees have one. To be sure, said the grandmother. She flies wherever they swarm the thickest. She is larger than any of them and never stays upon the earth, but flies again up into the black clouds. Often at midnight she flies through the streets and peeps in at all the windows, and then they freeze in such pretty patterns and look like flowers. Yes, we have seen that, said both children. They knew that it was true. Can the Snow Queen come in here? asked the little girl. Just let her, cried the boy. I would put her on the stove and melt her. But the grandmother stroked his hair and told some more stories. In the evening, when little Kai was going to bed, he jumped on the chair by the window and looked through the little hole. A few snowflakes were falling outside and one of the largest lay on the edge of one of the window boxes. The snowflake grew larger and larger till it took the form of a maiden dressed in finest white gauze. She was so beautiful and dainty, but all of ice, hard, bright ice. Still she was alive. Her eyes glittered like two clear stars, but there was no rest or peace in them. She nodded at the window and beckoned with her hand. The little boy was frightened and sprang down from the chair. It seemed as if a great white bird had flown past the window. The next day there was a harder frost than before. Then came the spring, then the summer, when the roses grew and smelled more beautifully than ever. Kai and Gerda were looking at one of their picture books. The clock in the great church tower had just struck five when Kai exclaimed, Oh! Something has stung my heart. I've got something in my eye. The little girl threw her arms around his neck. He winked hard with both his eyes. No, she could see nothing in them. I think it's gone now, said he, but it had not gone. It was one of the tiny splinters of the glass of the magic mirror which we have heard about that turned everything great and good reflected in it small and ugly. And poor Kai had also a splinter in his heart, and it began to change into a lump of ice. It did not hurt him at all, but the splinter was there all the same. Why are you crying? he asked. It makes you look so ugly. There's nothing the matter with me. Just look, that rose is all slug-eaten, and this one is stunted. What ugly roses they are! and he began to pull them to pieces. Kai, what are you doing? cried the little girl. And when he saw how frightened she was, he pulled off another rose and ran in at his window away from dear little Gerda. When she came later on with the picture book, he said that it was only fit for babies. And when his grandmother told them stories, he was always interrupting with, but and then he would get behind her and put on her spectacles and speak just as she did. This he did very well, and everybody laughed. Very soon he could imitate the way all the people in the street walked and talked. 
His games were now quite different. On a winter's day, he would take a burning glass and hold it out on his blue coat and let the snowflakes fall on it. Look in the glass, Gerda. Just see how regular they are. They are much more interesting than real flowers. Each is perfect. They are all made according to rule. If only they did not melt. One morning, Kai came out with his warm gloves on and his little sledge hung over his shoulder. He shouted to Gerda, I am going to the marketplace to play with the other boys. And away he went. In the marketplace, the boldest boys used often to fasten their sledges to the carts of the farmers, and then they got a good ride. When they were in the middle of their games, there drove into the square a large sledge, all white, and in it sat a figure dressed in a rough white fur pelisse with a white fur cap on. The sledge drove twice round the square, and Kai fastened his little sledge behind it and drove off. It went quicker and quicker into the next street. The driver turned round and nodded to Kai in a friendly way as if they had known each other before. Every time that Kai tried to unfasten his sledge, the driver nodded again, and Kai sat still once more. Then they drove out of the town, and the snow began to fall so thickly that the little boy could not see his hand before him, and on and on they went. He quickly unfastened the cord to get loose from the big sledge, but it was of no use. His little sledge hung on fast, and it went like the wind. Then he cried out, but nobody heard him. He was dreadfully frightened. The snowflakes grew larger and larger till they looked like great white birds. All at once they flew aside. The large sledge stood still, and the figure who was driving stood up. The fur cloak and cap were all of snow. It was a lady, tall and slim and glittering. It was the Snow Queen. We have come at a good rate, she said. But you are almost frozen. Creep in under my cloak. And she set him close to her in the sledge and drew the cloak over him. He felt as though he were sinking into a snowdrift. Are you cold now? she asked and kissed his forehead. The kiss was cold as ice and reached down to his heart which was already half a lump of ice. My sledge! Don't forget my sledge! He thought of that first, and it was fastened to one of the great white birds who flew behind with the sledge on its back. The Snow Queen kissed Kai again, and then he forgot all about little Gerda, his grandmother, and everybody at home. Now, I must not kiss you any more she said, or else I should kiss you to death. Then away they flew over forests and lakes, over sea and land. Round them whistled the cold wind, the wolves howled and the snow hissed. Over them flew the black shrieking crows. But high up the moon shone large and bright, and thus Kai passed the long winter night. In the day he slept at the Snow Queen's feet. 
But what happened to little Gerda when Kai did not come back? What had become of him? Nobody knew. The other boys told how they had seen him fasten his sledge onto a large one which had driven out of the town gate. Gerda cried a great deal. The winter was long and dark to her. Then the spring came with warm sunshine. Perhaps the river will take me to Kai, thought Gerda. She glided down past trees and fields till she came to a large cherry garden in which stood a little house with strange red and blue windows and a straw roof. Before the door stood two wooden soldiers who were shouldering arms. Gerda called to them, but they naturally did not answer. The river carried the boat onto the land. Gerda called out still louder, and there came out of the house a very old woman. She leaned upon a crutch, and she wore a large sun hat which was painted with the most beautiful flowers. You poor little girl, said the old woman. And then she stepped into the water, brought the boat in close with her crutch, and lifted little Gerda out. And now come and tell me who you are and how you came here, she said. Then Gerda told her everything and asked her if she had seen Kai. But she said he had not passed that way yet, but he would soon come. She told Gerda not to be sad and that she should stay with her and take of the cherry trees and flowers, which were better than any picture book, as they could each tell a story. She then took Gerda's hand and led her into the little house and shut the door. The windows were very high, and the panes were red, blue, and yellow, so that the light came through in curious colors. On the table were the most delicious cherries, and the old woman let Gerda eat as many as she liked, while she combed her hair with a gold comb as she ate. The beautiful sunny hair rippled and shone round the dear little face, which was so soft and sweet. I have always longed to have a dear little girl just like you, and you shall see how happy we will be together. And as she combed Gerda's hair, Gerda thought less and less about Kai, for the old woman was a witch, but not a wicked witch, for she only enchanted now and then to amuse herself, and she did want to keep little Gerda very much. So she went into the garden and waved her stick over all the rose bushes and blossoms and all. They sank down into the black earth, and no one could see where they had been. The old woman was afraid that if Gerda saw the roses, she would begin to think about her own, and then would remember Kai and run away. Then she led Gerda out into the garden. How glorious it was, and what lovely scents filled the air. All the flowers you can think of blossomed there all the year round. Gerda jumped for joy and played there till the sun set behind the tall cherry trees, and she slept soundly and dreamed as a queen does on her wedding day. The next day she played again with the flowers in the warm sunshine, and so many days passed by. Gerda knew every flower, 
but although there were so many, it seemed to her as if one were not there, though she could not remember which. She was looking one day at the old woman's sun hat, which had the painted flowers on it, and there she saw a rose. The witch had forgotten to make that vanish when she had made the other roses disappear under the earth. It was so difficult to think of everything. Why, there are no roses here, cried Gerda, and she hunted amongst all the flowers, but not one was to be found. Then she sat down and cried, but her tears fell just on the spot where a rose bush had sunk. And when her warm tears watered the earth, the bush came up in full bloom, just as it had been before. Gerda kissed the roses and thought of the lovely roses at home, and with them came the thought of little Kai. Oh, what have I been doing? said the little girl. I wanted to look for Kai. She ran to the end of the garden. The gate was shut, but she pushed against the rusty lock so that it came open. She ran out with her little bare feet. No one came after her. At last, she could not run any longer, and she sat down on a large stone. When she looked around, she saw that the summer was over. It was late autumn. It had not changed in the beautiful garden, where there were sunshine and flowers all the year round. Oh dear, how late I have made myself, said Gerda. It's autumn already. I cannot rest, and she sprang up to run on. Oh, how tired and sore her little feet grew, and it became colder and colder. She had to rest again, and there on the snow in front of her was a large crow. It had been looking at her for some time, and it nodded its head and said, Caw, caw, good day. Then it asked the little girl why she was alone in the world. She told the crow her story and asked if he had seen Kai. The crow nodded very thoughtfully and said, It might be. It might be. What? Do you think you have? cried the little girl, and she almost squeezed the crow to death as she kissed him. Gently, gently said the crow. I think, I know, I think, it might be little Kai, but now he has forgotten you for the princess. Does he live with the princess? asked Gerda. Yes. Listen, said the crow. Then he told her all he knew. In the kingdom in which we are now sitting lives a princess who is dreadfully clever. She has read all the newspapers in the world and has forgotten them again. She is as clever as that. The other day she came to the throne, and that is not so pleasant as people think. Then she began to say, Why should I not marry? But she wanted a husband who could answer when he was spoken to, not one who would stand up stiffly and look respectable. That would be too dull. When she told all the court ladies, they were delighted. 
You can believe every word I say, said the crow. I have a tame sweetheart in the palace, and she tells me everything. Of course, his sweetheart was a crow. The newspapers came out next morning with a border of hearts round it and the princess's monogram on it. And inside you could read that every good-looking young man might come into the palace and speak to the princess. And whoever should speak loud enough to be heard would be well-fed and looked after. And the one who spoke best should become the princess's husband. Indeed, said the crow. You can quite believe me. It is as true as that I am sitting here. Young men came in streams, and there was such a crowding and a mixing together. But nothing came of it on the first nor on the second day. They could all speak quite well when they were in the street. But as soon as they came inside the palace door and saw the guards in silver, and upstairs the footmen in gold, and the great hall all lighted up, then their wits left them. And when they stood in front of the throne where the princess was sitting, then they could not think of anything to say, except to repeat the last word she had spoken. And she did not much care to hear that again. It seemed as if they were walking in their sleep until they came out into the street again, when they could speak once more. There was a row stretching from the gate of the town up to the castle. They were hungry and thirsty, but in the palace they did not even get a glass of water. A few of the cleverest had brought some slices of bread and butter with them, but they did not share them with their neighbor, for they thought, If he looks hungry, the princess will not take him. But what about Kai? asked Gerda. When did he come? Was he in the crowd? Wait a bit. We are coming to him. On the third day, a little figure came without horse or carriage and walked jauntily up to the palace. His eyes shone as yours do. He had lovely curling hair, but quite poor clothes. That was Kai, cried Gerda with delight. Oh, then I have found him, and she clapped her hands. He had a little bundle on his back, said the crow. No, it must have been his skates, for he went away with his skates. Very likely, said the crow. I did not see for certain. But I know this from my sweetheart, that when he came to the palace door and saw the royal guards in silver and on the stairs the footmen in gold, he was not the least bit put out. He nodded to them, saying, it must be rather dull standing on the stairs. I would rather go inside. The halls blazed with lights. Counselors and ambassadors were walking about in noiseless shoes carrying gold dishes. It was enough to make one nervous. His boots creaked dreadfully loud. But he was not frightened. That must be Kai, said Gerda. I know he had new boots on. I have heard them creaking in his grandmother's room. They did creak, certainly, said the crow. And not one bit afraid, up he went to the princess, who was sitting on a large pearl as round as a spinning wheel. All the ladies-in-waiting were standing round, each with their attendants, and the lords-in-waiting with their attendants. 
The nearer they stood to the door, the prouder they were. It must have been dreadful, said little Gerda. And Kai did win the princess? I heard from my tame sweetheart that he was merry and quick-witted. He had not come to woo, he said, but to listen to the princess's wisdom. And the end of it was that they fell in love with each other. Oh, yes, that was Kai, said Gerda. He was so clever, he could do sums with fractions. Oh, do lead me to the palace. That's easily said, answered the crow. But how are we to manage that? I must talk it over with my tame sweetheart. She may be able to advise us, for I must tell you that a little girl like you could never get permission to enter it. Yes, I will get it, said Gerda. When Kai hears that I am there, he will come out at once and fetch me. Wait for me by the railings, said the crow, and he nodded his head and flew away. It was late in the evening when he came back. You've been listening to Through the Looking Glass from Jabberwocky Audio Theater. Today's presentation was The Snow Queen, Part 1 of 2, written by Hans Christian Andersen, adapted for radio and read by Marsha Renz. Recorded at Arlington Independent Media in Arlington, Virginia. Produced by Jabberwocky Audio Theater in association with Arlington Independent Media, W-E-R-A-L-P, 96.7 FM, Arlington, Virginia. Dialogue editing by Maurice Mulder with final sound mix and mastering by William R. Coughlin. Post-production services provided by Tohu Bohu Productions, LLC. This recording is the property of Team Jabberwocky LLC and may not be rebroadcast, retransmitted, or redistributed without express permission from Team J. For all the latest episodes and information on Jabberwocky Audio Theater, visit jabberaudio.com. If you're enjoying Through the Looking Glass and the other yarns we spin at Jabberwocky Audio Theater, be sure to subscribe and share. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash teamjabberwocky for exclusive content and to help us continue to bring you further tales of high adventure and mysterious suspense. Until next time, this is Kim Davenport saying thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next thrilling production from Jabberwocky Audio Theater. Hast thou slain the Jabberwock? 